What's up, Penguins fans? Happy Thursday, December 29th. This will be the second to last episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. It's pretty crazy how this year has flown by and what a year it has been uh, for the show. Dive into some of uh, the numbers uh, for Friday's episode. But for today's show, we're going to get into some practice notes from Thursday, why things have gone from bad to even worse for the Penguins, as Chris Letang is now banged up, who could replace him in the lineup. We'll also preview the game against the New Jersey Devils a little later on, and we'll get to your mailbag questions because there were a lot of questions that came through for today. So it's all coming up right after this drop. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Elmer Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of today. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That is Bet Online, where the game starts. So let's jump right into it with the Penguins and their practice today. About a 30 minute practice <clears throat> up in Cranberry, and there was an unexpected absence. Crystal Tang was not there. Thought it was just maintenance. I know Trevor Riedel was not there either. Josh Archibald, of course, was not there, but Ryan Paling was. Looks like he's closing in on a return, but it was announced after practice, according to Mike Sullivan, that Latang is being evaluated for a lower body injury. He is day-to-day. So I did not notice it during the game last night, um, but kudos to Danny Shirey, who did have a replay of what happened with Latang. It looked like he blocked a shot Early on in the first period, was hobbled up a little bit, got to the bench, you know, was a little hobbled, but he did finish the game. You know, he did not go to the locker room at all and come back and was hurt. No, like he he seemed to be fine um, finishing that game. I guess it must have swelled after, um, but it was not a practice day. And, you know, his status for Friday's game is up in the air right now. If I had to guess, he's probably not going to play because usually players that, you know, don't practice the day before a game, you know, under at least under the Mike, at least under Mike Sullivan, they usually don't play um, in the next one. So um, I could be wrong, but it looks like as of right now, the Penguins may not have Latang for this one, and that just makes their defense um, just that much weaker. Um, already, they're already without Jeff Petrie. They're already without Trevor Beadle. Now that they may have to be without Latang for at least a game, that's their top two right-handed shots. Uh, it's not a good time uh, to say the least, and you know. Remember when the team was fully healthy two weeks ago? Yep. Pepperidge Farm remembers that uh, as well. And if Latang is out, that means I think Ty Smith is going to be coming in. I really don't know what the top pair is going to look like if Latang is out. Um, Pedersen, I think, will be on, well, on the top left. But you know, who are you putting up there uh, on the right side? Great question. Are you going to put Mark Freeman <laughs> on your top pairing? You're definitely not going to put uh, Brian Duman or Jan Ruta um, up there. I mean, you know, you, you might, you could put Ruta up there, but I think that's just asking a lot. You know, are you going to put Ty Smith up there in his first game of the season? I think they're going to want to shelter him a little bit, but you know, that that's a gaping hole. I I really do not know um, who will be on that pairing with Pedersen just because the defense was rotating today. They didn't really give out the pairings and stuff, but um, maybe it's Ruta, maybe it's someone else, uh, but you know, it's the Penguins don't have a, a good answer for that uh, 
right now. So yeah, that's another injury that the Penguins just could not afford to have right now. Hopefully it's nothing serious. You know, the fact that he was able to finish the game bodes well, but you know, and also saying that Jeff Petrie finished the game just about a week and a half, two weeks ago after um, he suffered that hand injury, even played the next game. And then it was like, Oh yeah, he's out longer term. So, you know, I, I you know, I don't really trust it at that much. You know, it's Latang, So I think they're going to be uh, decently careful, but it's still not great news that, you know, he might be out for at least that game and then potentially the winter classic um, as well as, you know, that is on uh, Monday uh, up in Boston, uh, 2 PM start time. I, I can't wait to watch that game. I, I love watching the winter classic. I, I don't think I would ever go to an outdoor hockey game just because the view is so far away, but in terms of watching it on TV, there's, there is not much better. There uh, not much better sporting events to watch on television um, than that. I will say that. Um, other practice notes, it looks like the forward lines are remaining the same. You know, who knows if that's going to stick for the game um, on Friday. I, I have no idea, people. You know, it, it, he's just going to keep probably putting these lines uh, in a blender. I mean, it was Cros- against Crosby, Raquel, Zucker, Malkin, Rust, um, McGinn, Carter, uh, Heinen, and then O'Connor, Bluger, Gappinen, and again, the defense did rotate, you know, maybe Sully makes some changes. Maybe he doesn't, he should. Um, I, I can't watch Jeff Carter be this team's third line center anymore. If I see another game of him as the third line center, I might just puke. Um, they got to move him to wing, put someone, I mean, I've seen ideas for people that have been saying to try Heinen at center. I don't know how much that could really hurt you. He's been really struggling this year anyway. Maybe that's, you know, the big move that could get his confidence back. Who knows? But you know, you, you can't keep trotting Carter out there at third line center. It's just, it's not working. It hasn't worked all season. Um, and as Dejan said in his daily shot just a couple of days ago, um, this really all started with Carter right after he signed that extension. And I don't think it was, you know, just a crazy coincidence or anything like that. It's just, you know, nuts how, you know, randomly just fell off a cliff directly after he signed that deal. Because before that, you know, Dejan made a great point, and I've said it on my show as well. He was playing good hockey. He came over 2020, 2021, was awesome. First half of last season was great. Then after that, it was just a steep, steep nosedive. And yes, Dumlin was on the second pairing today with Jan Ruta. Um, with the defense, with the injuries to the defense right now, I would not expect Brian Dumlin to come out of the lineup just yet. Um, let's wait to see when people get healthy. You know, Latang's injury, I don't think it's long term, but we'll see. Petrie still give me out for a little bit. Once those two players come back, <clears throat> once Shadow comes back, then the Penguins can make that true decision on what to do with Dumlin. I think you all are going to be stuck with him right now. Should he be in the lineup? No. Um, I, I would, you know, but I don't want to say this. You know, they kind of have no choice for tomorrow if Latang is out because they don't have any other defenseman on the roster. That's like an extra. Ty Smith's going to have to come in for him if Latang is out. So um, that's going to have to wait at least a little bit. But when this defense is healthy, he should not be playing, as I said on my episode um, last night. Um, what was really interesting, though, is that Ty Smith was quarterback in the top power play unit with Latang out. You could look for to see that uh, for Friday's game. He's always been an excellent puck mover, was quarterbacking the, uh, the Devils power play unit when he was there. I believe he was on power play, too. If I'm not mistaken, you know, he's always been lauded as a great puck mover. Uh, I would be really curious to see how he would do with the big boys um, if he gets that opportunity on Friday night at home against the devils, you know, be throwing him out to the wolves. Yes. But you know, 
you either sink or swim in that situation. And I think he's, you know, he, he's got to swim. And yeah, I think they want to keep him up here in a perfect world. They want to develop him. They want to make sure that he is the true answer to um, Dumoulin just because Dumoulin's contract is up after this season. But, you know, he can't do that if he's just sitting in the press box. You know, he's there. Play him. You have no excuse to not play him. I understand that you know, they didn't have a full practice with him yesterday, so they maybe wanted to get that in uh, before, even if Latang had not gotten hurt, they wanted to do a full practice. I get it. But now that he's gotten that full practice in, even if Latang is somehow ready to go tomorrow, and especially if he's not, he needs to play. You need to see what you got in this player. He was the main piece acquired in the John Marino acquisition, uh, or sending him out, excuse me, over the summer. See what he has. It cannot hurt you worse than what Dumoulin has hurt you already this season. So really excited for his debut if he makes it. Um, and, you know, especially if he's able to quarterback that top power play on, that would be a lot of fun. That wraps up this first segment as we got into some practice notes and, you know, who could be replacing Latang and all that. If I had to take a stab at the defensive pairings, I'm just going to randomly guess your names. Uh, Pedersen, Jan Ruta, Dumoulin Friedman, Ty Smith, and I—I I, I, don't—I I don't know. You know, it's—you know—it's it, just—it's not—it's not a good time uh, right now, to say the least. But I, I, if I had to guess, Ty Smith will play on the on the uh, on the third pairing. Um, I will say, but it's it's going to stink to see Dumoulin probably stay on the second pairing and yeah, I mean, probably POJ with him, you know, or if you want to move POJ up, uh, you could do that. I, I would have POJ eating way more minutes right now than Dumoulin. Uh, that, that's for sure. The fact that Joseph got six less minutes than Dumoulin on Wednesday night was just, that's a fireball offense. Um, if you ask me, so maybe they do Dumoulin and POJ, maybe it's Freeman and Smith on the bottom pairing. But man, you know that that second pairing. I mean, Dumoulin is just gonna take uh, is just gonna take POJ down with them. But I do think the top pairing, if I had to guess, it's probably gonna be Ruda and Dumoulin. That's a guess. Jeez, uh, Ruda and Pedersen, excuse me. Then maybe Dumoulin and POJ, and then you know some combination of Freeman and Ty Smith on the bottom pairing if Latang is not able to go. I was almost blanking on that other defensive for some reason. I don't know why, but I'm, you know, I do want to see POJ get more minutes in Dumoulin, but I'm not confident in that. But again, that wraps up this first segment of the show. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to preview the game against the Devils and why, you know, the Devils come into this pretty vulnerable. They've, they've lost a lot of games in a row lately. Uh, so we're going to get into that. But before we do that... BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. You can head to the website today or use your phone to learn more. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Lawrence Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So the Devils come into this game. Remember they had, they had that hot start. They won 11, 12 in a row uh, since then. 
They've lost eight out of 10. They've lost first place in the Metro. Carolina has overtaken them and they lead them by six points. And the Penguins are now just two points behind them as well as the Washington Capitals. Last I checked, the Capitals were up one nothing on the Ottawa Senators. I can check to see how that is going right now. Um, the Penguins and Capitals are actually tied right now in the standings. And yeah, the Capitals are up three to one right now. They're also getting outshot three to 14. So they're getting outplayed, but it's not really mattering um as of right now and of course the red wings who came back from four nothing down last night they're they're down five nothing to the sabers right now so um if the capitals do hold on to win this game they will be tied for second place with the devils but they will also have the penguins also have three games in hand on them going to this game the penguins are able to win it they will be tied for second place with in regulation at least with both the devils um and the Capitals and the Devils right now. Um, top line: Tomas Tatar, Nico Heischer. Um, Heischer is awesome. I mean, I can't say enough good things about him. One of the better two-way centers in this league. He's he's had a history of being a bit banged up. He's missed a lot of games, but when he is healthy, there are not many that can do what he does in both in all three zones, especially defensively. No, I know he's good offensively. Has a nice shot. You know, has a great first pass in the offensive zone, but defensively is where he does a lot of his work. You're probably going to see a lot of Heashier versus Crosby in this matchup on Friday. Eric Kala, Jack Hughes, Jesper Brad on their second line. That's a very good second line. Jack Hughes, you all we all know how good he is. Of course, he's the brother of Quinn Hughes. Um, this was really going to be his break, big breakout season so far. Uh, he has done that in a massive way. He is an awesome player to watch. On a nightly basis, <clears throat> Igor Sharangovich, Jesper Boquist, and Dawson Mercer. Sharangovich has played really well against the Penguins over the last um, year or two. He is going to be a handful in this one. And then Miles Wood, Tyce Thompson, and Michael McLeod to round out their forwards. Defensively, Yoga Siegenthaler and Dougie Hamilton. Hamilton, we all know he's one of the best puck movers in the league. Siegenthaler, though, has been awesome for the Devils since he was traded by the Capitals. I really don't know what the Caps were thinking in that trade. His underlying numbers have been really solid throughout his NHL career, but the Capitals just decided to let him go because they wanted to play some older veterans up there. But uh, Siegenthaler is making Brian McClellan look kind of lost because um, he's played very well uh, while not top pairing. I never thought he would be a top pairing defenseman in the NHL, but um, right now he's, he's playing well. Damon Severson with Kevin Ball in their second pairing. Severson's caught a lot of heat from Devils fans. As of late, hasn't been playing well defensively. He's been kind of getting into it with the media and stuff. I think Devils fans are kind of just waiting to move on from him, to be honest, I think, after the season. And then um, Brendan Smith, um, an old friend, is on the third pairing. Injury-wise, John Marino, former Penguin, he is still week-to-week. He will not be playing in this one. Uh, Ryan Graves, he is also on IR. Andre Plot, he is also hurt, too. Do not expect any of those players to play um, in this game. And then goaltending-wise, it has been Vitek, Vanacek, and Mackenzie Blackwood. Vanacek has been pretty good uh, this season. I'm I'm still not sold on him overall. I think he's kind of just a 1B kind of goaltender. He's kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. But, you know, for the most part, he has gotten the job done this season. And, you know, their goaltending is one of the reasons why they're in a playoff spot right now. But this is still a team that, again, it's almost like, wow, you don't win the Stanley Cup in November. One good month does not really define your season and they've been coming back down to earth a little bit penguins they have struggled against the devils the last couple of years we last year they lost three out of four meetings to them year before then it was kind of the same thing where i think also covid season where they played them eight times and i think the devils won five of eight or it was a split the devils have been giving the penguins a lot of trouble over these last couple seasons even when they have been bad 
Um, it's weird. I don't know what it has been. I know the Devils are a pretty quick team. They can outscape the Penguins, but um, <clears throat> the Penguins are they usually have more talent than them, and they have they've had better goaltenders in the net. So you know, I, I'll be curious to see um, how this one goes for a lot of reasons. Um, I always love getting the previews from the Penguins PR team, um, and this is interesting. Actually, they, they actually did say the last. Um, 11 games played versus the Devils. The Penguins are eight and two and one. It does not seem that way because I think it's probably because they lost three out of four against them last season. But um, Penguins are actually also four and two and one in their last seven games against New Jersey. That is a weird stat. I swear that doesn't make any sense to me because I swear during that COVID shortened season they struggled against them. But maybe, maybe I have that all wrong. I know I remember last season they lost three out of four. Uh, against the devils i guess during the shortened season that they, they played them a lot better um it, it does not feel right that they are eight and two and one in their last 11 against New Jersey. that's been a team i feel like the last couple of seasons that they've really struggled against maybe it's because even though they've won some games they've still looked bad i don't know that I, that threw me off because you know that, that's crazy to me um but you know what whatever um and their last seven home games against the devils though the penguins are four and two and one they're ten and three and four home this season pittsburgh is also five and two and two against metropolitan division opponents they have lost their last few though especially against the islanders uh and the hurricanes so um for keys to win for this matchup against the devils for, for the penguins you know just making sure the Devils are not coming at them in waves. Last season, especially when the Penguins struggled against them, the Devils just looked like a much faster team. Those those young legs that they had in the lineup were just outskating the Penguins in most of the games that they played <clears throat> against them. Want to see how the Penguins respond in this one, even though this will be their third game in four nights. You know how just how tired are those legs? You know, again, I say this a lot of your games as well. You know, getting traffic in front of Vitek Vanacek. Penguins have done you pretty well against Vanacek in the past. I think against them, he has barely even a 900 save percentage, especially when he was in Washington. You know, curious to see if that continues in this one. And the, and the Capitals were actually a pretty stingy defensive team for a lot of those years that Vanacek was there. So, you know, I know he's had a little bit of a glow up this season, but I still didn't think this is a goalie that can be had if he gets to start. I would expect him to start um, in this one, but they also could go to Mackenzie Blackwood. He's also been fine. Uh, for the Devils this season. You know, limiting Jack Hughes, the Penguins need to continue to try and limit the best players. They didn't do a good job of that with the Red Wings as Dylan Larkin got things started. Um, last night, David Perron had a big game with two goals. Penguins need to get back to what they were doing against the Buffalo Sabres, especially when they limited to Tage Thompson uh, to just one point. They did the same thing with the, with the Vegas game. Um, you know, ex- going back even further that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So Penguins need to do a good job on the best players on New Jersey. Nico Heischer, um, Yes, for Brad especially. He's had a monster year for the Devils. Jack Hughes, you know, I can go on and on. Dougie Hamilton, of course. Sharon Govich has killed the Penguins in the past. Tomas Tatar is finally getting the top line minutes. Remember when he was a healthy scratch for the Canadians in the playoffs? Seems like a lifetime ago, but they, they, they legitimately did it. So um, the Devils have a lot of players that can hurt you. It's up to the Penguins to, you know, try and let the other players, you know, the bottom six players on New Jersey, beat you in that one um and you know continuing the special teams trend the penguins they have really turned those around that's now 11 of the last 12 games they have gotten at least one power play goal the penalty kill i know they had their 23 to 24 um in a row streak snapped against the red wings but you know getting back to being stingy on the unit 
You know, the Devils, they can throw a lot of firepower at you on their power play. Tomas Tarr, Nico Heischer, Jesper Brad, Jack Hughes, Ogie Hamilton. That is nasty. Like that, that is a very good top power play. The Penguins are going to have to be very diligent and very disciplined into making sure they don't take a lot of penalties, especially late in third periods like they did on Wednesday, where they just took a too many men penalty with 319 left. And that led to the Red Wings tying the game, not even 15 seconds into it. So staying disciplined, playing smart hockey, those are also big as well. And also just playing better with a lead. When the Penguins have blown a lot of leads this season that they usually did not do under Mike Sullivan when he first got hired, especially in 2016, 2017, heck, even 2018 and 2019. They need to get back to doing that and playing more in the offensive zone when they get a lead. Because lately, when the Penguins have gotten a lead, I feel like they've just been sitting back, they've been turtling, they've been getting hemmed in in their own zone. They're not pressing the attack more and trying to get more goals. I want to see them do that a bit more. And we'll see if they can do that in this one if they get out to a lead. Um that's just a bit. I haven't really complained too much about it just because there have been other things to discuss when it comes to this team. But you all know what I'm saying. It's just, it's not, you know, they got to start playing better with leads. They've blown too many games this season, two Montreal games, especially this game against Detroit, the game that gets the two games against the Hurricanes. That's five right off the top of my head. Um, it is not good enough in the slightest, and it needs to change you know remember when there was that stat where the penguins were basically undefeated taking a second period lead into the third period been anything but that this season uh that's for sure or you know when they got the lead in the third period and um <clears throat> they would just lock it down and be undefeated they just haven't gotten back to that blueprint and it's really hurting them right now so that's i think another big key for the penguins if they want to win this game against the Devils. But that will do it for this segment. Coming up in the final segment, we're going to get into your mailback questions. But before we get to that, so say you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. But now you, you live nearby, you can make it home okay. It's no big deal. Well, what are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are off out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, I'm back here in this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast, and thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So let us get into the mailbag questions here, and there, there are a lot um, to touch on here. If I can find my tweet, I don't know. Please do not refresh my timeline. That is not um, what I want to do, but let's just jump into it. So um, the Black US, do you think we're going to see a cap clap? a cap clearing move, like moving a cheap contract like Danton Heinen for virtually nothing to allow someone like a Drew O'Connor to stay up here and let someone cook as the third C and push Jeff Carter to the fourth line. That's a great question, man. Um, it's hard to say because I would like a cap clearing move. Um, they need to do it anyway, heading into the trade deadline because they're still, I think a forward or two short, but I don't think it's going to be someone like Danton Heinen. I know he struggled a lot this season and, yeah, he makes a million, but you know, is that that really going to make that big of a difference? Um, you know, what, what are you even going to get back from him? You know, I mean, nothing. I mean, the, the, a million salary cap space is cool, but um, I don't think that's really going to mean much 
in the grand scheme of things. At least that's just how I see it. Um, you know, it would be nice if they could clear another, you know, cap forward. People are probably going to yell at me for this, but, you know, Brock McGinn is not going to shoot 20% all year. You can sell high on him, but if you do that, you also maybe screw up the penalty kill and you make the bottom six even worse just because no one else really is scoring down there right now. So, you know, it's, it's hard to say because there are some contracts that you could clear that would probably be fine, man. But I just don't really know who it's going to be because I would like to see Drew O'Connor stay up here. He's very much an unknown for me right now, just because the sample size is so small, but he has played well in a couple of games that we've seen him in this year. It's just, he hasn't gotten the leeway from Mike Sullivan to just do more. That's the thing that's really just bugging me about it because, you know, last night, and I should credit, I I know I should credit Adam Gretz for pointing this out. And I touched on it on my show, you know, he gets that goal two, three minutes into the game play seven shifts the rest of the time. What are we doing here? It's just, if you want to see what some of your younger players have, play them, play them. It's it's not hard. And yeah, I would love to see Carter move down to the fourth line and play wing. And maybe you move Teddy Bluger up to the third line center as, as of right now. But, you know, that's maybe a short-term solution. I don't think you're going to see a contract cleared right now, man. But I do think by the deadline, if they want to go out and get an upgrade over Carter, especially for that third line, which they desperately need, um, they're going to have to clear somebody out, to say the least, because it's it's going to be dollar in and dollar out. And Josh Carney, who covers the Steelers for Steelers Depot and a couple other places, shout out to you. You do a great job. He says, everyone's complaining about Carter as a 3C. So who are some realistic trade targets for a third line center that would allow Carter to move to the wing? Another great question. Um, my top target has always been Bo Horvat um, from Vancouver, you know, Jim Rutherford obviously knows the payment system very well. No Horvat, um, I believe makes over five million. I believe it's six. Uh, he he would be a perfect fit for this team. Can do it all offensively. Great in his own zone. He's he would be almost like a, a, a small upgrade over what they had in Nick Benino because Benino, you know, he didn't do much in the regular season when he was here. But when it came to play, when it came to the playoffs, oh yeah, he elevated his game like it was no tomorrow. So, you know, I think Horvat would do more than Benino would, especially in the regular season. And I think he could potentially match how he would do in the playoffs. He would be my top target. I have seen Max Domi thrown around out there. Why not? You know, I, I, I'm only I'm, I'm a little scared that of what Chicago could ask for him just because of you know, the name and all that, you know, Ty Domi's son, of course, and, you know, bad team, but he's still playing fine. You know, I wouldn't give up a first for someone like that, but I think he's an upgrade over Jeff Carter. I think Nick Schmaltz also makes a lot of sense for the Penguins. I'd say the bad Arizona team, Schmaltz, a good center, can do it all offensively and defensively. Those are three names that jump out to me, I think, right away. I've seen a couple of people throw out Kirby Donk, but I don't really know if that would really work. Um, in my opinion, you know, those those are the three names though that I really like. Ryan O'Reilly, I've seen people throw out there. I think he will be an upgrade over Carter, but he also costs a lot. And you know the Blues are going to want a heck of a lot in return for him. You know, he's a good veteran center, not what he used to be, but can still you know play some tough minutes, especially um, as a third line center. Would be open to it, just would want to see what the Blues are asking for in return, especially if um, they bought him out for the rest of the season. So those are some names that I am keeping an eye on, Josh. Thank you for sending that in. Um, Drew's in the morning. Would swapping out Carter and Raquel be an idea worth considering? Um, I'm not sure 
how are you phrasing that question? Because if you're saying Carter on the top line, I don't think that would be a good idea. Like, I don't know if you're saying Carter on the top line wing. That don't, I don't think that would make sense. I think he would drag down both Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel. I think that would be a massive mistake. Um, putting Rick in, and I'm not really sure if you'd be putting Raquel as the third line center because he doesn't really play center. So I'm not sure if you're talking about just forward lineup or maybe um, something on the penalty kill because I, I would do that. Um, in a heartbeat, but I don't think putting Carter on the top line right wing um, would make sense. I think that's what you're asking, Driz, but um, I, if, if I'm mistaken, please just let me know in a DM or something like that. You can just rephrase your question, but no, I I would not consider that um, in the slightest. Uh, Joshua Karn says, if they decide to healthy scratch Carter for a game, who plays fourth line center with Archibald and or Paling on IR? Great question. Um, if they did decide to healthy scratch Carter, um, I would maybe see what O'Connor has to offer there. I would see what Heinen has to offer there too. One of those two, I think. Um, if if Paling is ready to go for Friday's game, I would have Paling there. Actually, because you know he has played center in the past. But um, if your question is strictly about both Paling and Archibald on IR, I would do one of O'Connor or Heinen at center, especially just because you know why not uh, at this point. Um, uh, JT Pelly asks, what's a realistic way the Penguins can fix up the holes on their roster? Nobody wants Carter, Dumoulin, Kappen or on their roster because of their contract, so a trade is pretty unlikely. Are they just going to roll with this the rest of the season? I do not think they are going to roll with this the rest of the season to start off. Um, what I think they will do in the deadline, and you're right. You know, I don't know who's going to want Jeff Carter, Kasperi Kappen, or Brian Dumoulin. I think they're going to probably have to trade futures, whether that's a first-round pick in next year's draft, which I know Ron Hextall would probably not want to do because – He's also looking towards the future, whether that's a top prospect. But again, what top prospects do the Penguins really have outside of Owen Pickering? Penguins aren't going to deal with him, right? I mean, they they just acquired him in this past draft, and you know he is you know his ceiling is I think at least a top four defenseman in the NHL whenever he's ready. I think I think it's going to be four to five years down the road. So I think they're going to have to you know roll with what they have right now, try to figure out some solutions healthy scratching a couple guys when the team gets healthy because right now the team is banged up so they kind of have no choice but to play Dumoulin right I know you're not going to want to hear that but with Latang out right now and, and, and he's day to day it kind of got I mean they're kind of stuck and it went now when Latang comes back they'll have that decision do you keep Ty Smith in lineup if he plays well for a game or two we'll have to see but I think right now JT Pelly, I mean, they are going to have to roll with what they have and make some solutions to the bottom six in-house. I know people are going to say, oh, you could call up Valtteri Pustin from Wilkesbury. You can call up Sam Poulin from Wilkesbury. You know, those players are also massive unknowns. And, you know, last I checked, you know, they've made some progress, but, you know, just how much of an improvement are they? And yeah, I know you may, some people may say, you know, Poulin had a good camp and a good uh, preseason. And he did. You know, I think he's, you know, really shown some strides over this last year, but I don't know how much of a difference he's truly going to make in the bottom six and St. Paul Terry Pustin. There's just, there's no immediate solution down in Wilkesbury right now. At, at least that's how I see it. So um, it's probably going to have to be dollar in, dollar out when you get to the deadline. But again, as for right now, um, the solutions are going to have to come in house and they're going to have to move some guys in and out of lineup, put some more youth in there um, to try to really change things up. And then Cody asks, do you think Fenway Sports Group will get their hands dirty next offseason now that the big stars are signed? Um, 
That is a good question. I do think if they have another first round exit, if they make the playoffs, I'm not really sure if Ron Hextall is going to be coming back after after that. Um, the Fenway Sports Group is very analytically inclined. They value analytics a lot. They always like the best of the best running their teams. They did not hire him. They did not hire Brian Burke. Would not be surprised if they did get their hands dirty if the Penguins are a quick out in the playoffs, assuming that they do get in uh, this season. And then uh, Angel Hornquist asks, is there any legitimate way out of this cap situation? It's frustrating that Carter and Dumoulin are over the boards before players like Joseph and Raquel. Seems easy to say deal them and move on. What would have to happen and what's a realistic way to tackle that? I mean, I, I figured all you would be asking about Carter and Dumoulin. I get it. You know, they've been playing really bad. But again, I don't know how legitimate it is to get out of those contracts. I don't think they're going to deal Dumoulin this season. They're going to try to find a solution for him. I can tell I can tell you all that they have had conversations with him in-house where they've sat him down. They try to get his confidence back, but they haven't taken him out of the lineup because I think they're just living in their fears with that and they are too scared. Now, that would be obviously the next step is having a, another deeper conversation to get him out of the lineup. But at that point, you know, $4 million, at least $4 million on your salary cap is just... In, in in the press box so that's not good um it, it, the only way they could maybe deal one of them is you you attach a sweetener but again there's not much trade action around the nhl right now like look around who's making deals these prices are sky high the league is very close with a lot of teams a lot of the sellers haven't really been known yet there's still a couple months to, to decide that so i understand that a lot of you are frustrated with carter Dumont. i am too it's very annoying that Ricard Raquel does not get any ice time in overtime on Wednesday night. It's very annoying that P.O. Joseph gets six less minutes and that Mike Sullivan is being very stubborn about it. But, um, you know, I just, I don't think they're going to make a move with either of those players. I, I would be stunned. I think it's more likely that one or both of them come out of the lineup um, before they are moved. I do think they're going to finish their seasons here. Um, you know, what's a realistic way to tackle it though? Again, just taking them out, you know, replacing them with younger players who are just better and, and can provide more at this stage is, and at this stage of their careers. So a couple other questions to get to here um, on the obviously on the locked on uh, Penguins Twitter account. Um, Alan Teodor asks, if you were the GM and the Kraken proposed a trade of Dumoulin and Carter to bring back Tanev, would you do it taking into account the salary contract? I'm not sure how this would work right now. Um, yes, I would do that in a heartbeat. Uh, you know, that actually worked. That would actually work in the Penguins' favor. Um, because you know, Dumoulin makes four, right? Carter makes a little over two. That's over six million going out. And Tanev is coming back and he makes what 3.75. So I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, you know, he was a great player when he was here. I was fine with losing Tanev. It was just the way the Penguins went to replace him, I thought was wrong. And I think the way the Penguins have reshaped their bottom six over these last couple of years has been wrong. They've just made it so their bottom two lines are just low event. Nothing happens. It's all in the top six. But yet, when the top six goes cold, they don't win games because they're you know because then at that point the bottom six is not scoring. So you know it's just a very a flawed roster construction, but yes, Alan, I would 100% do that trade if Seattle proposed it. And he also asked, which in-game promotion is your favorite right now? Um, 
in-game promotion is my favorite if I had one. Man, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I'm going to have to come back uh, to that one. To say like, I would maybe say the Big Mac attack. That's fun. I don't usually go to McDonald's that much, but it is still a lot of fun. But, you know, if I had to say one that I actually go to, it's Jake Shakes, 100%. You know, that's that's the best one, um, in my opinion. And then Nikki T says, another question, you know, what is the realistic outcome for the Dumo and Carter situation? Do you see Hexall fixing this, or are we stuck with them until next season? Yeah, I mean, as I've explained to most of the other people who have asked about Dumo and Carter, Nick, yeah, I think they're going to stay here for the rest of the season. I think Dumoulin walks after this year. Ty Smith will come up. Maybe they can deal Carter or buy him out after this season, though they're going to have to be on that contract for a couple of years after. But I, I, I mean, they're kind of their hands are tied. You know what they're kind of trying to do right now. My buddy said this to me this morning. It's like trying to make chicken salad, like a really good chicken salad with chicken crap. That is. That is what the Penguins are trying to do right now with their bottom six in the Ryan Newman situation. So um, that, that's that, that's the answer I have for you. And then who are some possible debt players the Penguins could look to acquire the deadline? Yeah, I mean, just some third-line centers that I pointed out for you, Nick. Nick Schmaltz, Bo Horvat, um, Max Domi. You know, th- those are the players that jump out to me right away. I've seen people say Jonathan Taves. No thanks. 10.5 million cap hit. There's no way the Penguins can make that work. Um, you know, if they're only the first third team or something like that. But... Um, those are the, some of the uh, some of the players that I would look at. Um, uh, Cupper, uh, Cupper, uh, Jeff's Penguins asked, should we be worried about this team's lack of depth the rest of the year? I'm a little worried about that, yes. Especially with Paling and Archibald out. I think Pal- uh, Archibald has been a pleasant surprise this season. I think Paling has been fine, but you're seeing right now that they do have some depth problems. Dan Heinen has not done a damn thing this year. Kasperi Captain, who has problems of his own, he's mattingly inconsistent and you don't really know what you're going to get from him on a nightly basis. He's just an enigma. Jeff Carter, we've talked about that relentlessly in this episode. Um, I am concerned about the lack of depth. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the Rangers last season before they made those three moves at the deadline to make them a deeper team. I don't think the Penguins will have the salary cap space to make three forward moves before the trade deadline, but I do think they need to make at least one move for a forward um, at the deadline. But to say that I am concerned right now would be a massive understatement. Um, I am very concerned about it. And then finally, Jackson Hollister asked, are there any dark horse players you like the Penguins to acquire for 3C or third line wing? Yep, Jackson. I, I've probably answered that um, numerous times, you know. So, um, again, Bo Horvat, you know, gee, I'm already I'm already just – I've, I've answered them so many times I'm just starting to blank on their names. Again, yeah. Um, Bo Horvat, Nick Schmaltz, those kind of players. And then not Penguins related, how's living in Pittsburgh so far and what is your favorite thing to do there? Um, honestly, man, appreciate you asking that. It's been awesome to live here. Um, it's been a dream of mine to be up here since I was a kid. I absolutely love it. Um, I can't get enough of living in Pittsburgh. Um, it's been a bit cold, sure, but you know, me being able to go to a lot more games has been awesome. This is the most amount of games I've ever gone to um, in Pittsburgh. And just meeting so many people that I've known on social media for the last few years and meeting them at games and going out to drinks and stuff, um, Nothing beats that. And I hope to meet more of you all, more of you guys, excuse me, at the games. Um, if you all go to some, just let me know. No, I'm probably going to go to a lot more games this season. And then what's been my, what was the last question you said? What's my favorite thing to do out there? You know, man, that's a good question. I love trying a bunch of new food places. I think the food up here is very underrated. Um, I also love going to, my favorite bar up here is probably Howl at the Moon downtown. 
I will always love that place. I think it's the best bar slash club in the city of Pittsburgh. The vibes are immaculate. They have the dueling piano music where they just play a bunch of cool hits. The Penguins games are always on in there. The drink prices are always pretty good. Um, that's like my, that's probably one of my favorite places to go. But you know, the Strip, Market Square, you know, the waterfront. Even there's so much fun things to do here. And I'm having the time of my life, and it's only been a month. But I appreciate you asking that. I appreciate all of the mailback questions. I know uh, they were kind of a little bit repetitive with Carter and Dublin, but I also very much understand that that is the top, the top, the, the top topic of conversation right now. But again, um, that will do it for this one. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'll be back with another episode on Friday to recap the game against the Devils. Hope you all listen to that. Again, really hope you enjoy listening to this one. Have a great rest of your Thursday.